Hello and welcome to your favorite podcast, Sit With You. I'm your host, You Mind. And if you're like me, you finally want to talk about all those weird conversations that you've had in your mind and dive into the deep end of real life issues, the conversations that no one wants to have with you or the questions that no one wants to answer, Sit With You is here for that. I'm excited to be back here again, guys. And when I started podcasting a few months ago, I had no idea that I would enjoy this, that this journey would be so <laughs> fruitful and so rich. And I've learned so much in these arenas of conversation. And I think, I'd like to think I get better at it every time. Patrick Miller is my guest today. Patrick Miller is a Zimbabwean playwright public advocacy consultant, researcher, gamer, and writer. And Patrick, your areas of expertise include research, sociology, cultural studies, project design, communication, facilitation, community mobilization, performing arts, creative writing, writing as therapy, and advocacy and activism. You love to create and curate cross-cultural cooperation and understanding. It's, It's such a bucket load of passion and commitment. (laughs) <laughs> such a lot that you do patrick it's it's such a mouthful mm-hmm. um maybe i know i know as we go on we will talk about most of your passions and everything but outside of these accomplishments uh-huh. how else would you introduce yourself to the world what would be your primary identifier because this is like a lot to say and i had to read it because it's like a lot to remember one of the things that really stands out for me Whenever I look at you, Patrick, is you're an artist, mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. a writer. Uh, so that I know is somewhere where our passions meet. You mm-hmm. are you are a playwright, and I, mm-hmm, I know you're passionate mm-hmm. about theater. But I also know you've run the Writers Cafe for a long time now. So that's uh-huh. that's how I know you. But how would you uh, introduce yourself to the world? I would introduce myself to the world right now as Mukare Diwacho or Mukare Diwacho Ndini. So I guess to sort of like translate that into English, well, loosely, I'll translate it, you know, I am that Khaled or, you know, that Khaled is me. So that is pretty much how I would introduce myself to the world. And that is how I'm actually pushing myself to the world, you know, owning my coloredness and, you know, whatever it is and all of the things that come with being a Zimbabwean colored. So, yes, uh, if someone is to ask me to introduce myself in another way, I'll be mm-hmm. like, I'm mm-hmm. what, what does that stand for, Patrick? Uh, maybe I, I really would mm-hmm. want you to zero mm-hmm. in on that because it feels like such a powerful statement for you to say, if I'm ever to introduce myself mm-hmm. to anyone without bringing my accomplishments to the table, I will say It sort of like started from a place of, of tragedy, if I should put it across that way. Because I'm the youngest in a very large family. And unfortunately, my father died just after I was born. So I never had an opportunity to actually, you know, grow up with him you know experience him and you know have him love me the way that he loved my other siblings how he raised them and all of that so for me my experience of you know i know he loved me you know that's why Mm -hmm. i was born but like my relationship with him is more based on mm-hmm. what others say he was, their impressions of him. And, you know, it's something that I would have wanted to say, like, you know, mm-hmm. to grow up with him because he was the one who was, you know, who was colored. My mother was was black. And I guess for those that might not quite mm-hmm. understand the meaning, because, you know, we know this podcast is going to other places where the term colored might not actually mean what they think it means so you know colored zimbabweans you know and i'm reading you know so that people know that you know i'm reading off wikipedia Mm -hmm. you know so that they just know that i'm reading from somewhere and i'm not that yeah quick with that definition you know so they are persons of mixed race predominantly those claiming both european and african Mm -hmm. descent uh so it's pretty much you know malawi zambia and Zimbabwe and South Africa, where you really find that classification of colored. And it's literally uh, both a social and legal classification in Zimbabwe. Like if you open my like my identity documents, you will find that I'm colored and that carries 
its own, you know, stigma. Thank you, Patrick. You are such a gentle personality and your humor just really filters through everything that you do and who you are as a person. You are, you are a firm-minded person. And one of the things that I have noticed about you over the years is how much this just comes across every time I talk to you. What was home and growing up like? What influenced the person that you are today? How were you raised? I wasn't raised in, what can I say, like what people might assume as a typical colored or gopher household and that kind of thing, you know? So it wasn't really something that I'm for the longest time I had much of a connection with. That's why sometimes a lot of people, when they see me today and I'm like, I'm colored, they're like, are you sure, really? Because they have an idea of what colored Mm -hmm. people sound like, look like, that kind of thing. And for me, it's something that I guess I fall short on, 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 Mm -hmm. on their on their radars or expectations, hence that whole confrontation. I'm colored, watch when Dini, you know, I'm like, yes, I am colored. I am that colored. So what more do you want me to to be like? You know, you know, the whole stereotype of like, all colored people come from Acadia. I didn't grow up in Acadia. So for some, that's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're not colored enough. That type of thing. And I can say that in terms of like, I'll go back to my childhood. I uh, just want to finish this little tangent that I'm on. I can say that I, I've, I really started, you know, the whole Karadwachundini type of thing when I was at uh, doing my undergrad at the University of Zimbabwe. So I did theatre arts at the University of Zimbabwe. But before I got into the honours class where I was just simply focusing on theatre alone, I was doing theatre um, English mm-hmm. and German. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of like all mixed up in there. And um, there was a certain time where... You know, I don't even know how we got to that conversation with some certain Mm. people in my class where they were now all of a sudden, you know, debating my coloredness. And one of the questions that really offended me and still strikes me as like, when I think about it, you know, I get a bit fixed. You know, one individual, you know, had the audacity to tell Mm. me this, that, you know, how can you be colored and be in university? You people don't finish high school. I was seriously, you know, at that point, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, and the person was Mm -hmm. literally serious because in his mind, you know, we are uneducated. We don't finish high school. So it was like, no, you're just a light-skinned black person trying to be special type of thing. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, I'm going to filter some of the words that came out of my mouth. But I was just like, you know, what the heck? Like, seriously. And yet, you know, there I am, you know, at the country's highest institution of learning. Mm-hmm. And I'm still meeting individuals that, you know, that thought that. Because for them, they were like, you know, you and, you know, that's why I also hate the statement, you people. Because they were like, you oh, wow. people, you know, can only be mechanics, DJs, or hairdressers. And there I am, you know, doing all manner of things. At that point, I couldn't even mm-hmm. drive yet. So that's why sometimes I have such a resistance towards the whole, you know, mechanics and whatever. But yes, I can change a tire, but you will never see me changing one. I will literally get someone because I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, I am going, I want to make enough money so that I can literally mm-hmm. call roadside service mm-hmm. to come and change a tire, which I know how to because that whole, oh my gosh, you know, that is all there is to me. Hence mm-hmm. that whole, I'm a bit confrontational when it comes to the whole coloredness, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that is pretty much the explanation on that. And then going back in terms of, like, the household that I grew up in, you know, my mother was, you know, firm, but also loving. You know, yeah. she was always, the, you know, the, trying to push, saying, you know, I want the best out mm-hmm. of you. You know, I want you to do better than I did. Because she was like, you know, all of these things, you know, me owning a house and all of that, these are my things. They're not your things. I want you to have your own things so that, my one can be your mm. zero because I don't think you'll be able to handle the zero from which I started from because of the way the country is going. I need you to use my one as your zero. So I kind of, you know, grew up with that whole thing of, you know, always trying to push, always trying to make, because for me, why I also pushed to even go all the way to eventually getting a master's was because of the pride and joy that my mother had 
when she saw me succeeding in school because I, I feel she was also aware of all of these stigmas that followed colored people, even though she wasn't colored. But it's not that she wasn't aware of some of the things that sort of then follow people like me that whole, oh, you guys are not educated, you're not this, you're not that. So she was like, you know, whatever you do, do it with a standard of excellence so that you can also show them that, hey, you know, just, I can also do it. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, I pushed myself, you know, through high school, you know, the disaster that was called high school for me, you know, the first four years of high school were quite a disaster. Mm -hmm. I was in the wrong class doing the wrong thing so for four years of high school you know just being told mm-hmm. you're not good enough you're not you are dumb that kind of because i was chucked into a sciences classes and that was not me i tried to get it changed you know do you know when you are like registering for form one and all of that because i had outstanding grade seven results they were like no you have to go to a sciences class i wanted to get to be put into a class that had art because i was like that is where my passion is because they were the arts and they even had art mm-hmm. as one of their subjects. But they're like, no, that is for, you know, those that didn't do well. So from my mind, it's just one of those things where I still find it mind boggling mm-hmm. that people think the arts are for people that didn't do well in yeah. school. But I'm like, you know what, I'm an artist, it, which is very interesting. We have, you know, I'm like, art is hard. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, you know, our mm-hmm. work as artists is seen as if anyone and everyone can do it. You know, we're mm-hmm. like, oh, you're an artist, you can do this. I can also do it because I'm a lawyer, doctor, whatever. I'm like, no, 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 no. It doesn't, it doesn't work mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But that's just how it is. So I've always tried, you know, to kind of just, you know, try my best even though sometimes I do feel like, oh, I tried too hard and be an overachiever and then put myself under unnecessary pressure to do it, to do something. You have done amazing for yourself, Patrick. <laughs> Thank you. I think it's really, really amazing. I mean, I was I was scrolling through your wall as I do. <laughs> <laughs> when I people watch uh-huh. online, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I people watch in person too, but when I do it online, I read people's posts, yeah. I go, I stalk people on Facebook. I really don't stalk people, but <laughs> when I want to interview a person, mm-hmm. I try and get to feel what you're what you're doing in your life. Mm-hmm. What what are your areas of focus? All of that, yeah. and the the most I can do that right now in this digital age is going through someone's post, someone's content mm-hmm. to see what you're about and all of that. So just to catch me up on where you are, so that I know how to uh, fashion the conversation. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really stood out. Um, when I was doing that with you is uh, the, I, I noticed you, you posted on the Axel and Julia Bruhaha. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it was a big, it was a big deal mm-hmm. on TikTok in January. I know. Mm-hmm. And then you also had your multiple certificates on display. Mm-hmm. You asked a question I want us to ponder yeah. on. And you talked about Axel and, uh, you know, the whole Juliet thing, which you can take us into briefly mm-hmm. uh, as you answer this question. Mm-hmm. But one of the questions that you asked that I want us to really talk about is when you talked about it and posted your certificates and just commented on this Axel and Juliet crazy fiasco mm-hmm. is you said, is this another form of white privilege that you should you should be accepted into an academic and artistic program that you're not qualified for just because you are young, white privileged popular and seem nice online Mm -hmm. did you did you ever reach a conclusion or find an answer because when i was looking at it i i wanted to know what what in that drama really stood out for you of course the white privilege thing is a big deal Mm -hmm. but what really caused you to to post that and take out all your certificates and just paste them online because i've noticed you're very open (laughs) what pushed that for me it was really because at first I couldn't quite quite get, get what the noise was about, you know, because sometimes I take a, a lot of things from TikTok, you know, with a whole bag of salt. But then when I then started mm. looking into it and trying to see why people were blasting Juliet and tanking its Google ratings by just, you know, posting and run a whole lot of nonsense regarding it. And I was like, okay, fine, you know, maybe they're justified because I know Juliet can be a bit, you know, elitist and everything, but that is, they have a certain standard because even, you know, famous people that have Oscars and whatnot have stories of being 
denied entry into Juilliard. So I was like, okay, let me look at his at his portfolio so that I can try to understand why they said no and why there's such a noise as to why he should be accepted. And all I saw were his TikToks and I was like, okay, fine. You know, you've got quite a large following on TikTok. Good for you. And then even in some of his TikToks, I then saw his, you know, audition tape and I was like, okay. And he even said so himself that he felt that he tanked his audition and he had never done drama or theater before actually mm-hmm. applying for Juilliard. And like for his preparation of applying for it, he just did one workshop, one workshop on Shakespeare. And I'm like, okay. And you want to enter Juliet <laughs> that has a 7.5% acceptance rate. I was like, all right. Yeah. And for me, I was like, you know, hold the prepaid phone. Let me take out, you know, because I was like, good for you. You know, you are brave. But then that also spoke to, you know, certain levels of privilege in that where you just feel that just because mm-hmm. you can. And it's not a cheap school to like apply to. You know, you need to be able to afford the application process. Mm. And he could. And so he felt entitled, or at least his fans felt he was entitled to a shot at Juliet. So I took out Mm. all of my things. So I was like, these are everything that I've done. And, you know, be it creatively and Mm -hmm. beyond theater, beyond being on the stage. And even I, you know, you know, you know, kind of breathe and put, you know, the breaks where when I consider applying to Juliet, because I'm like, I'm from the global south and it's already a mountain to just simply try to apply to an American school because they just got a whole lot of hoops that people from the global south have to jump through for them to just simply be considered. Because it's something that I even, you know, ended up... It just feels so... It just just feels so... Because I have a whole scene in my new play where I just went into that whole idea where i'm like people forget some of the privileges that they have especially when it comes to academics because they feel like oh we are at a level playing field no as as an african individual you have got to be the exception of the exception of the exception for you to just be considered with other mediocre individuals that are in the north for you to just get into the same room with certain individuals because it's something that i felt when i was now traveling going out there where i'm like Oh, so I had to go through all of this to get into this program. And these are the things Mm. that I'm hearing from people in this space. (laughs) I was like, back home, you would not hear, you know, such inane arguments when you're in such a symposium. This would not be happening back home, but I'm here. And just Mm. because I come from the global south, you know, people think I don't know my things so i got very vexed i was just like no 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 no. we can't be playing around like this and i didn't really get an answer from that you know from that whole thing well it's just like yes you know Juliet, as crazy as they are they were within their rights to say no to him because they didn't really fulfill (laughs) their needs (laughs) they 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 had the right to say no because they didn't really put it in because i'm like this is the same school that trained individuals like you know viola davis and i'm like guy yeah your tiktoks mm-hmm. i'm like your tiktoks you know viola i'm like mm, 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 mm. you know put in some more work and you will you will you will get there because i did drama i did literature in high school you know, and then I did it at university mm-hmm. level and I've been an artist for a number of years. And even I, when I look at some of the things that Juliet asks for, I'm like, oh, I kind of fall short on some of it. Where I think the, the shot that I've got at Juliet is applying for their one-year playwrights program, that type of thing. But then also having to find funding mm-hmm. from other places for me to be able to actually... Mm-hmm get into that program but he could afford he was homeschooled and all of that no hate to him but yeah. you know being homeschooled comes with also like i said certain levels of privilege where i guess they felt oh you cannot mix with the yeah. other kids you know we're gonna homeschool you not because you know they couldn't mm-hmm. afford proper schools or whatever but i'm just like mm-hmm. oh. so for me i just went all out i was just like uh-uh let's not mic drop mic drop mic drop 
Mic drop. Hi, beautiful souls. My name is Yanteli May, and I am a spoken word artist from Harare, Zimbabwe. I'm going to do a piece called In the Beginning. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. My words are catalysts for the life and color in your being. He paints majesty on the canvas of your soul with every up-down movement of my tongue. Anointed to resurrect the Lazarus from your mind's grave, I am a channel of his word. So my tongue's vibrations are not in vain. And if the sun is God in man, and it is no longer I that liveth, but Christ who lives in me, then I am his word manifested. You are the manifestation of God's word, so it's about time you walked his talk, armored up, shame down, faith up, sin down. I do not see your skin and bones when I look at you. Hey, my name is Shaldo, and you're listening to Sit With You. I'm just going to forget Axel and Juliet for a bit, but it was really interesting for me to talk about that. And I want to bring it home a little bit. Um, what does that look like in our own generation, in, in our own environment? Um, do you think that we have white privilege or maybe even black privilege as, as a colored person, as someone who is legally termed a colored and called a colored, and then you have to walk around with the stereotypes and the stigma? For me, in 2018, when I wrote uh, the play The Prophet, it was the first time... Uh, and it was staged. So for me, it was the first time seeing, mm -hmm. you know, colored characters on stage and, you know, seeing a couple of colored individuals mm -hmm. on stage playing colored characters. That was the first time. And I've mm -hmm. been watching theater for a long time. And I hadn't experienced that. Even though some in the question mm -hmm. and answer then accused me of being racist for doing that. The whole, why did you have characters that are only colored in your play? Mm -hmm. But I'm like, do we not have plays that have only like white characters in it? Do we not have plays that only have mm -hmm. black characters in it? But mm -hmm. you don't see that as a problem. But it's now a problem when a colored individual has decided to write a colored story mm -hmm. and put it on stage now that's racist i was just like you're not seeing the position of privilege from which you're speaking from where me wanting to tell stories that are not being told it's now offending you it's now being racist because you're feeling mm -hmm. excluded you wanted to be included into that story but i was like it's got nothing to do with you yes i'm all for inclusion but there's some space if the issue has got nothing to do with you don't force yourself to be in it women need to have their own spaces where men shouldn't mm -hmm. even be in there but some find that problematic but i'm like it's a women's issue you know what are you bringing to the table regarding that or vice versa it's a men's issue that kind of thing but then now going back to theater i was like i wanted to experience that but then during the the almas mm. players conference you know I, it was my first time actually meeting that i good at that person and she was like and i was still hesitant in terms of like oh, wow. writing you know kind of story kind of characters due to my previous experiences in theater way in 2012 yeah. there's a play that i'd written it I, it was a colored family that was going through what they were going through but the director and the actors decided to change the race of the characters i didn't know this up until literally two days before it being staged because they kept me away from the rehearsal room so i'm like it's two days mm -hmm. before you are staging this at haifa what do you want me to do? Because when I ask a certain question, like, oh, this is not working out. But, but I was like, of course it would not work out and it would mm -hmm. not make sense. You're forcing, you know, Shona values mm -hmm. onto a family that does not follow those. And that was what was going on. But I was like, you know what? It is what it is. You know, let the thing be staged mm -hmm. as it is. As they've already done that. You know, because for me, I found it, you know, very disrespectful towards my writing because i was like i'm still alive i'm not dead you could have asked me we could have had a discussion but this is literally a day or two before this thing is being staged 
I was a bit hesitant, mm. but then and I was like, if you don't yeah. tell the Gala stories, who's going to be telling them? Who do you expect to tell those stories? Because no one is doing that. So you just going to have to do it. No matter what it is that people are going to say later on, you do it. So I then dove into there yeah. and I was like, because, you know, I gave all manner of excuses to that. And I was like, oh, we're going to find, you know, the cast. And she was like, that is not your worry. Your worry in this workshop is to just simply write yeah. the mm-hmm. best thing that you can write. All of these other way the you know actors are going to be found, that's not your baby. Let us worry about that. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was because even when you watch some of the footage of that, at the end of that play, I broke down in tears because this was so overwhelming for me. When you you know hearing people that sound like you, that are going through things that you might have heard or mm-hmm. similar that kind of thing, and I was like, and I haven't experienced that again ever since mm-hmm. twenty eighteen. And some don't find that as as a problem or whatever that kind of thing, and I'm just like. You know, it is it is such a privilege to be able to get into a theater space mm-hmm. and, you know, get to hear your stories being played back at you, you know, where you can then interrogate mm-hmm. certain social things on stage, you know, without having to go through them. But I can't really do that. I then have to sort of mm-hmm. then now qualify and quantify the things that are on stage. But others don't see that. But then when you now come to the whole legal aspects of it, because technically, I'm not read. I'm not a citizen by birth. If I read mm. correctly, the legislation, the constitution, and all the other things that follow us, mm. colored individuals, because I then took the time to read those hectic documents. So we're not citizens by birth. You know, technically, we're not. No matter how many generations of us have been in this country, how does that even work? We are citizens by registration. We are citizens by registration. I have to register myself. It is crazy, but it's some things that a lot of people don't know that I have to register. That literally when I'm getting an ID, I don't know now what is going on with the new passport Mm -hmm. situation because I'm yet to go renew my passport. But you had to register yourself. Before, the registrar at that particular place has to see you in person and go through and and take you through an interview for them to then say yes you can now be allowed to get an id the id people will not process anything that is ridiculous what does that do to your dignity what does that do to your identity because your identity is so important and our identity is so tied to where we are born it's so important mm-hmm. it 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 does a, it does a lot Exactly. It does a lot to to people, you know, mm-hmm. our, our side. Because when you then look at us, and some people, they're like, oh, you know, colored people are just angry people. But when you're going through that, when you're, because remember, you're mm-hmm. 16, you're getting an ID. This is your ex- first experience, you know, with maybe the whole legal setup in terms of now how you are now classified, how you are now seen. Because the registrar has the right to ask you all manner of questions no matter how offensive they might seem to you because like i remember the other time a certain question i was asked oh my gosh like one of the questions that he asked me because there's a certain time i lost my idea a couple of years back so i had to go get a new one i spent hours waiting for this person to then decide to then see the colored folk and it was a time where you had to wake up super early. So you mm-hmm. are there from the wee hours. You're sitting, you're sitting. You're seeing people, you know, being given their IDs. And the ID people are wondering, guys, what are you still doing here? And mm-hmm. you're like, I'm still waiting for the registrar to then, you know, decide to see us. So now in this meeting, one of the questions that he asked me was like, do you want to get married? And I was like, no, I have mm-hmm. no desire to ever get married. And then it then went into a whole... Mm-hmm preaching item of like oh my goodness you're being childish you don't want to grow up blah 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 and i'm like so there i am sitting through this whole person giving me this rant this speech of how i don't want to grow up because i was like i have no intentions of ever getting married wow i can't believe this at that point i was already walking the walk of being an activist so now here i'm going through this thing of like okay i'm an activist i know my rights but I also know how this works out. So I'm like, should I then put my foot down and be like, excuse me, sir, you know, this is not what we are, what I came here for. 
or should I just sit through and let him finish his rant because I really need my ID because as a kind of person walking around without your ID, that is now also a problem. So I sit yeah. through that, you know, where my spirit is just being torn down. Like a friend of mine who had also lost his yeah. ID, but enough, same time as yeah. I did, he was told to come back after two weeks after his grandson menace because there was a certain question that he refused to answer in there because he felt offended. But the registrar was like, come back after you've grown some menace. So he's legally entitled to do that. Mm -hmm. Hence that whole, you know, Karadwacho and Tini sometimes is a bit confrontational because I'm like, I'm so tired. Some don't think I'm colored enough, but when you're there now, we're like, you know, it's not that I'm choosing to be colored. I would rather be something else where I don't have to then go through, yeah. you know, my right to a national ID document being, you know, contingent on someone else's feelings whether they feel like they want mm -hmm. to give it to me or not and then in the old passport building the colored folk i don't know because i don't know what white people go through because i'm not white so i don't know their processes but for colored individuals for you to get usually uh, as i don't know what's going on in the new building but at the old building there was a room called room 100 before they even let you fill in anything or buy the passport forms, you had to pass through mm -hmm. room 100, where you had to prove that, yeah. yes, indeed, mm -hmm. you are colored. So you are writing, filling out this long form. You are now being questioned about your grandparents, your great-grandparents, that type of thing. And I'm like, I'm part of a large family. And the time that I grew up in, like, literally, you know, grandparents and all of that were already gone. A lot of history is lost to me. Where now you're forced to make things up because you just need to leave the room. And the way that they would treat you in that room, like I said, it really breaks you. When I got my passport, you know, she came late, you know. We've been there since 3 a.m. And this person comes, like, around 9 o'clock. She then first puts tea has tea, chats with whoever she wants to chat with. We are sitting in there, we are waiting, and she knows exactly why we are in there because room 100 is where Khaled Folk are sent to. And then she turns around, you know, this is now around 10, and then asks, and I'm like, oh, you know, vibes, I guess. Can, can we talk about what that does to you and... Mm -hmm what what conversations can we mm -hmm. have and do you think that as a nation we're even ready to have this conversation because when something like this is happening at a national level and it's it's, it's at a governmental level and it's a system that is put in place what does that do to a people you know when 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 that happens uh -huh. to you and uh -huh. you are sidelined from birth it means that you mm -hmm. don't belong from birth you're not accepted from birth and this is something that we oh, don't no. address i didn't know this i'm mm -hmm. thinking everyone is a zimbabwean citizen from birth because you're born here it means you belong here i didn't know that my friends that are colored are going through this process it's something that a lot of us don't actually talk about here mm -hmm. I start to think what else is happening that we are not aware of because of that Shona privilege that I that I brought up that now you know might might I was thinking is that a thing is that not a thing now I'm thinking mm -hmm. it's a thing <laughs> mm -hmm. what do mm -hmm. we do about that what conversations can we have and are we ready for those conversations I don't know if we're ready for for those conversations per se because these are conversations I really need to be had but then the question is like who's gonna start the conversations because like funny enough like uh, a couple of months ago someone sent me a clip from mm -hmm. zbc news when it was his zbc news like um like from like 94 and this was a conversation that was going on, like, because it was like a Christmas broadcast. And I think one of the late ministers, like, you know, had a whole Christmas party at Acadia Hall, you know, with colored folk and everything. And it was a conversation where they're like, oh, no, you know, we need more colored participation in the in national things, things to build the nation. Are we going to change, you know, things that were put in place during... um you know, colonial era, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wow. And funny enough, in 2018, just before the elections, it was a conversation that, you know, uh, Vice President Chiwenga also had with colored folk. 
But for when he did that, I wasn't aware of this, you know, 1994 clip. Because in 2018, it was like, they acknowledged that this does exist, where, you know, this whole system. Because as you know, like, the last two digits on your ID uh, uh, sort of, like, uh, correlate with your village of origin. Mm -hmm. I guess for those that didn't know, that's what the last two digits after the letter mean. Mm-hmm. They literally indicate your village of origin. That whole mm-hmm. drama of like, yes, yeah, sabuku, wah, 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 wah. But for us colored folk, it is zero, zero. Oh, wow. So I just want people to let that sink in. It's literally zero, zero. So what does zero <laughs> mean Patrick. to you? Wow, you're you're really getting me. Uh, I'm I'm really getting really upset at systems in this nation. I'm getting very upset about this because when when I think about the trauma this brings, because I look at the colored community and I have a lot of friends in the colored community. My mom and my grandmother were we 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 are of colored mm-hmm. descent. So in my family, yeah. there's colored origin. My grandmother. Um, my mom's mom was from Mozambique and she's mm-hmm. of colored origin. Mm-hmm. So you look, you look at that and you, this is my family. Are, are you getting me? And you look at that history and you look at how my, 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 my grandparents, my, my grandmother wouldn't mm-hmm. uh, allow themselves to be called by the surname Fraser because of the mm-hmm. stigma that came around being colored at the time. And I remember my, uh, my, 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 my mm-hmm. grandmother's brother mm-hmm. talking about how they, didn't like talking about them being colored. Even today, they don't acknowledge that they're colored, but they are. So when you look at the family and you go back and mm-hmm. you start to talk about them being colored, it's something that's seen almost as an insult to the family to acknowledge. So I want I want you to really um, maybe even talk, talk to me about the struggles, mm-hmm. the vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. the trauma, and the anger that, that, that has brought into... Mm-hmm your life or even the community what what have been some of the issues that you have mm-hmm. legitimately struggled with and had to take to social media to vent or deal with and um what issues today would you want to highlight because it means that there is need for us to have these conversations mm-hmm. it's marginalization at its best because if a people cannot be citizens of a land it means that they cannot earn property they cannot earn like own own land they cannot earn money freely they Mm -hmm. they they cannot Mm -hmm. move around in that land as freely as they need to you know how when you when you go to travel Mm -hmm. in other countries like i feel this Mm -hmm. when i go to south africa when i travel across the world Mm -hmm. i feel Mm -hmm. how much that place is not my home because i don't have certain privileges Mm -hmm. But now I always come back home and I know that I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a son of the soil when I come back mm-hmm. home because I have privileges, because I belong here. Now to think of someone who's in this nation with mm-hmm. me, as unfair as it is to be Zimbabwean already with so many things stacked against you just because you're Zimbabwean and times are hard for us right now, for you not to even have a place of origin on your ID and be seen in a whole nation as someone who's marginalized and not accepted is hard and and i'm talking about the colored community but what about the tonga what about the ndebele what about all those other people that feel the same things that we shanas don't feel oh patrick can can you i know that's that's a very very long question but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's it's <laughs> <laughs> I, I will try to you know like get into it the best way that i can and it, it, it is so true because like you know the the because the, this is literally you mm. know legalized stigmatization like it is legal and the way to change it it's it's a whole you know maybe because you laws need to then change and you we know how hard it is to change laws in this country especially laws that mm-hmm the powers that be are not really interested in changing. You will have to, you know, go through from the lower courts to the upper courts, trying to just get those things to be changed or to align to something. And I'm like, I'm not a lawyer. So having to get into those deeper things of like how to deal with mm-hmm. it is always a question that I then have, like, what do we do about it? Because some of the things that I've, you know, really felt, like you said, you know, mm-hmm. the whole thing, feeling like you're an outsider, 
and even though you know like because my mother was black where i'm like yeah i identify with my with my blackness but then like i wrote in another play where like you know you are the wrong skin color you know where they're like "Mm -mm, you're too light you know to be black but then when you then like when you know on the other on the white side of things they're like "Uh uh-uh your blood is too black Mm. for you to actually be white so there you are in the middle of like where Mm. do we because like everybody needs a place yes a place to belong because and also when it comes to cultural aspects you hear the Mm. statement quite a lot like all colored people have no culture but i'm Mm. like no you just haven't taken the time to look to look at us you know like the things that make us a people but there's always a struggle because even with the amongst ourselves you know we're not a homogenous group like any other group like every group has got its own you know subsections you know but funny enough you know we're kind of painted with just one brush we're like oh what people feel this is what colored people are everybody else has got to be that so for the longest time i didn't like you said you know like how your your grandmother and her family you know not acknowledging that aspect of them you know i never really bothered to acknowledge that especially in high school because like i was like um like between form one and three there was another colored individual in class but you know he's you know he had you know lighter skin curlier hair you know hazel eyes and all of that so he was considered colored and me, I was just like, oh, you know, mm. yellow bone. That's why I also hate that statement, yellow bone, being thrown at me. Because I'm like, already I'm struggling legally to deal with my identity issues. And then when you're now calling me yellow bone, you're now erasing that identity that I'm fighting so hard to either be accepted or changed or whatever. So where do you want me to fit? Because mm. for me, I was just considered a yellow bone. You know, oh, it's just light-skinned. But I was like, oh, okay. Mm. And also the whole issue of accent guys i fought so hard for the longest time to not have a typical colored accent because of the stereotype that comes with the more colored you sound the more people assume you are uneducated because i even read a whole research but this was a south african research now on the issue of accents within the in within the court system now where which accents are more believable in the, in the court setup so they were like the more someone someone sounds colored the more they feel like oh no is not uh i think a credible witness and the more white you sound you know the more educated you sound apparently you know if you sound white you are educated i don't know where people got all of those randomness where like somehow you know you have to sound white for you to be considered educated so <laughs> I had We've to whitewash our brain. Yep, they had to because you know when now people were now yeah. someone you because know, like you know accent also depends on the place where you're coming from, you know, and it's something that mm-hmm. someone shouldn't be made to feel ashamed of. But as a country, we've made the yeah. issue of accent something that someone cannot touch shame to. Because your sounds ghetto, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. people are now having these weird accents because. You know, they're like, oh, my goodness, you know, Anna, Anna, Wasu, Anna, this, Anna, that. And you're like, but should someone not celebrate their own identity sound the way that they want to sound? But because it comes with those stereotypes, I was like, you know, let me try to steer away from that. And so, oh, you don't sound mm. colored. And then I'm like, what is a colored person supposed to sound like? Although sometimes it's now, you know, slips out. It kind of really gets out here and there, you know, the coloredness of it, the colored accent. It depends with the space that I'm considered as. It's who you it's are. What you, are. you know, so sometimes there's certain, there's certain times yeah. where I just let it loose, where I'm just like, I'm just going to sound this way and just see what people are going to say or react or whatever. Because when I get into yeah. a new workplace and then I reveal that, oh, I'm colored, they're like, oh, really? colored are you sure but you hear your accent i'm like guys you know because there's a certain time where it happened at my new workplace so i was like had i been in a bad mood or when i was still in my activist mode i would have really walked up and down the walls 
based on those statements because because mm-hmm. for me you know activism is something that i now know i have a whole degree in it in public advocacy where i can run circles around you with whatever that is you are saying you know if i'm offended mm-hmm. enough but i was just like Oof, i'm just feeling too good i don't want to go through that so it's something that i'm just you know things that mm-hmm. i've brought on to you know social media and you know even i had conversations with my you know other colored friends acquaintances some who've gone mm-hmm. through that and some who haven't really gone through that way we we sometimes have these dialogues amongst ourselves because when we then try to put it mm-hmm. out there like i said in 2018 all of these things i'd sort of like crammed them in that in that play the prophet although it was talking about religion sexuality but also race was a part of it was at the core of the things that i was talking about because i was like i'm gonna have this character put these issues on stage it was quite a long play and it really dove into that but there was such a resistance from certain people from the audience and even i went onto yeah. a whole interview that i did mm-hmm. and even the interviewer on radio was like no you were being colored you were being racist by doing that you know trying to create segregation where there's no segregation mm-hmm. but, I was like, but i was like you know you're talking from a place of privilege you don't get to see it the same way that you know people that don't don't experience racism mm-hmm. can easily say oh you know, racism has been dealt with. I don't see color because you have the privilege to not see color. So now, you know, there's always a pushback when we try to talk about these things because people then feel like, oh no, you know, you're being overly sensitive. Because like, there's a certain time where I nearly walked out of a certain uh, subject I was doing at the University of Zimbabwe. I was like, until the lecturer apologizes, I'm not coming back. So in this, in this subject here, the lecturer knew everybody's name because it was an external lecturer. Mm-hmm. They knew everybody's name. But when it came to me, they would decide to call me by my race. But like, answer. I found that offensive. I was like, you know my name. We're not that large of a class that you cannot. And I'm the only colored in here. <laughs> so surely you know my name but she'll be like mkara didn't answer hey you were did this mkara did that and then i I got offended and i went and i reported to to the ad Mm -hmm. you know to the theater outside me and i was like i was like this is not on for me until they apologize i'm not coming back so other students felt that i was being extra they're like you're being you know overly emotional over something that is not a big deal but then and then highlighted, I was like, if I was to now randomly now start calling you Muboy, but you Muboy in Tibet answer, Muboy in Tibet this, how would you feel about that? Because already you're getting offended by that. But when it comes to me, I should be cool with it. But you don't want to be referred to like, hey, you're a black person, give me the answer. Like, how would you feel about that? You know, when a non-black person goes, comes up to you and be like, hey, you're a black person, give me the answer. You will find that offensive, <laughs> but just because it's been directed to a colored person, I would pull my hair. I know, I know. I would pull my hair. I would stand on the table. I would do whatever I can to make you know that I it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And I will not accept I will that because I was like, you don't know me like that. We don't have that relationship oh. where we can call each other names. So I was like, if I don't have a relationship where we can call each other names or mm. by our races, can we not? But then that's the thing, you know, just because it's being done towards colored folk, people don't think that mm. it matters. You know, they feel like our struggles are not struggles. And mm. it's so hidden, you know, like some of these other, because like some of the stigmas are so like in your face, the whole, we are attached to drug abuse, we're attached to alcoholism. But I was like, it's not a racial thing. Every mm. race is going through issues to do with drugs, mm. alcoholism, but it shouldn't yeah. be made, oh, it's mm. a colored thing. No, it shouldn't be. But then uh, these are some of the much more silent yeah. struggles where a lot of people then now change their accents, don't own their mm-hmm. coloredness because they feel like if I now walk into a workplace and own my coloredness, my work is going to be questioned. Patrick, thank you. Thank you so much for, for mm-hmm. going into that. And the issues we're talking about are real. They're real issues. Uh, 
Patrick, these are the issues I want to address. I want to address issues that affect people, yeah. issues that mm-hmm. speak into our identity, issues that speak into who we are. And let's talk about the hard, the hard stuff. Why should uh, another person be, co- be, be called Mukarad in a class where there are different races represented? Why should yes. one person stand out? And, uh, you know, it's stuff that we don't talk about. Why should mm-hmm. one language be more so superior than another? I have an accent, and in my life, there are places that have just opened for me because of my accent. Why does it need to mm-hmm. be like that? I am Shwana. Why must I not speak my language as fully as I, mm-hmm. I should uh, accept mm-hmm. English, which is what we've pushed in Zim? So, so much that other languages are dying and other cultures and identity have mm-hmm. have blurred into just mm-hmm. this one um, identity that we feel we mm-hmm. must own, which is not ours. And I feel like as a cultural redemption uh, practitioner, it's such a big deal for me mm-hmm. because I like to mm-hmm. talk about race. I like to talk about culture. I like to talk about languages. And it's something that I've just grown this passion four in the last five years so i would really want us to Mm -hmm. have a part two patrick where we can really go into this because i feel like there's so much that i want to talk to you about that we didn't get into right now because this just became something that we 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 talked about so genuinely because it's an issue i would love that i would love that i would love that you know like Mm. the 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 scheduling aligning you know I would definitely would love to come back and talk about mm-hmm. it. And I hope you will get, you know, amazing feedback from the listeners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they have mm-hmm. questions, you know, just send them my way and we can try to then address them in, in part yeah. two of our conversation. Yeah. But thank you so much for having me and allowing me to speak my heart. Yeah, I would really love to have you in a part where we talk about the things on your heart. I know you mentioned in the prophet, you talked about sexuality, you talked about race. And what was the third thing? Uh, Suicide. Suicide, yes. And religion. To to talk about religion, sexuality, race and suicide uh, in in the part two. And I think we, we can find a topic for it, but I really yeah. would want mm-hmm. us to have a part two of this and just talk about these issues because these are issues that our generation is facing. And if we don't address them mm-hmm. right now, the next generation will mm-hmm. have to face them. And I think that yes. here on Sit With You, we have a platform where uh, we can talk about these things and see what we could push as a solution out there or even just make people aware just like how I've learned so much just by talking to you about some laws in the land that I didn't know exist. I want to challenge us guys, as we're listening to this, if you're from Zimbabwe, like I am, and you you've grown up with friends that are in the colored community and you, you have been part of, uh, uh, the generation of people that think that you can name call and you can shame. It's, it's such a big issue for me right now. I would want to really challenge you to change, to challenge you to start to look at this issue as a marginalization issue and an issue for concern as a nation, for us to come together to a place where each person belongs, each person feels wanted, each person is loved because we are in one land and we are one people. If we speak of Ubuntu, it needs to become something that we are living out. So today, guys, I think this is where we are going to shut this down. I'm your host, Jumind, and you know, Sit With You is all about this. This is exactly why we exist, to talk about the hard issues that no one else wants to bring to the table. Until next time, goodbye from me.